Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods. I want to ask you a question today that I think is very, very important. Who is your master? In Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, it said, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, or King James says, your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. You know, once there was a very wealthy young man who lived in a big, beautiful, elaborate house with dozens of rooms. Each room seemed more comfortable and more beautiful than the one before it. There were paintings and sculptures, crystal chandeliers, golden or ornate railings on the stairs, more beauty than most people have ever seen. One day, he invited Jesus to come home and stay with him. When Jesus arrived, the young man offered him the very best room in the house. The room was upstairs at the end of the hall where he thought Jesus would not be bothered if he wanted to spend time in prayer or study. This room is yours, Jesus. Stay as long as you like and you can do whatever you want into this room. Remember, Jesus, it's all yours. That evening, after he'd gone to bed for the night, he was awakened by a loud knocking at the front door. The young man got up, put on his robe, and went downstairs to see what was happening. When he opened the door, he was met by three demons that the devil had sent to attack him. He quickly tried to close the door, but one of the demons kept sticking his foot in the door. Sometime later, after a great struggle, he managed to slam the door shut and return to his room totally exhausted. Can you believe that, the man thought? Jesus is upstairs in my very best room sleeping while I'm down here battling demons. Oh, well, maybe he just didn't hear. He slept fitfully all the rest of that night. The next day, things went along as normal, and being tired as he was, the young man went to bed early that evening. About midnight, he heard a terrible ruckus at the front door. He thought that what in the, whatever is it was, it was going to tear the door down. He stumbled down the stairs once again and opened the door to be met by dozens of demons this time trying to get into his beautiful home. For three hours, he fought and struggled against the demons from hell and finally overtook them enough to shut the door against their attack. All of his energy seemed to fail him. He really didn't understand this at all. Why doesn't Jesus come to my rescue? Why would he allow me to fight all by myself? I feel so alone. Troubled by these thoughts, he lay down on the sofa and fell into a restless sleep. The next morning, he decided to ask Jesus about the happenings of the last two evenings. Quietly, he made his way to the elegant bedroom where he had left Jesus. 
Jesus, he called as he tapped at the door. Lord, I, I don't understand what is happening. For the last two nights, I have had to fight demons away from my door while you laid up here sleeping. Don't you care about me? Did I not give you the very best room in my house? He saw tears building in Jesus' eyes, but continued, I just don't understand. I really thought that once I invited you in to live with me, that you would take care of me, and I gave you the best room in my house and everything. What more can I do? My precious child, Jesus said softly, I do love and care for you. I protect all that you've released into my care. But when you invited me to come here and stay, you brought me to this lovely room and you shut the door to the rest of your house. I am Lord of this room, but I'm not master of this house. I have protected this room and no demon may enter here. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. Take all of my house. It is yours. I am so sorry that I never offered you all to begin with. I want you to have control of everything. With this, he flung open the bedroom door and knelt at Jesus' feet. Please forgive me, Lord, for being so selfish. Jesus smiled and said he had already forgiven him and he would take care of things from now on. That night, as the young man got ready for bed, he thought, I wonder if those demons will come back tonight. I'm so tired of fighting them every night. He knew that Jesus said he would take care of these things from now on. About midnight, the banging on the door was horrendous. The young man slipped out of his room in time to see Jesus going downstairs. He watched in awe as Jesus swung open the door. No need to be afraid, he told himself. Jesus can handle this. Satan stood at the door demanding to be let in. What do you want, Satan? Jesus asked. The surprised devil suddenly bowed low in the presence of the Lord. So sorry, I seem to have gotten the wrong address. And Satan and his demons all turned and ran away. The moral here is Jesus wants all of you, not just a part that you conveniently assign to him at your discretion. He will not be satisfied to be stuck isolated in an isolated room out of the way. For you to have a right relationship with God, he must control the whole house. Are you trying to be the master of your own life or, or have you made him the master of your life? He either controls it all or not at all. He will take all that you give him at first, but the day will come when he must be pilot and not co-pilot in your life. This story is an allegory of a spiritual truth that you need to understand. When you accept Christ as your Savior and confess your sins to him, you are confessing the committed sins of the past that you remember. For example, lying, stealing, lust, taking God's name in vain, and on and on. He removes those sins as far as the east is from the west, never to remember them against you anymore. In fact, Psalms 103, 11 and 12 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You know, you understand 
if you go from north to south, eventually you're going to start, you know, if you start at the North Pole, go down to the South Pole, you get to the South Pole, you start going north again. But if you go from east to west, you can walk around east forever and never start going west. And Jesus says he forgives your sins and casts them as far away as the east is from the west. And so you can say forgiven. What a relief. It is so wonderful for a while. And then you begin to feel like you are in a battle because the sinful nature that you were born with begins to act up wanting your way rather than God's way. The Apostle Paul described the whole ordeal in Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. He said in Romans chapter 7 verse 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be the, a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. What Paul wrote sounded pretty hopeless, didn't it? No wonder Satan and his demons could cause such a ruckus when the young man in our story opened the door to them. But, praise God, Paul has shown us the way to victory. Let Jesus Christ have the whole shooting match. Surrender to him and he will give you peace and a victorious life. Listen again as Paul continues his description now in Romans chapter 8, 1 through 9. Therefore, or there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Well, I want you to know I want to belong to Jesus Christ. How much room have you made in your heart to give to the Lord? 
Are you keeping a portion of it away from him, saying, well, I have a right to a few things in my own life? Perhaps the attacks are, are coming more and more each day, and you are discouraged, and you wonder why God is not helping you. Why not let Jesus fight the battles for you? He is always victorious. Satan can never stand against him. You can be victorious too if you surrender your will to God's will. Too many people are like the fellow in the story. They want God's blessing and God's victory, but they're not willing to surrender their lives completely to God. They want to hold something back that they think is special. They will mark off what they're willing to give Christ, but they want to hang on to that pet sin that they can't give up. And until they do, until Jesus Christ owns it all, until he has cleansed your entire being, Satan will keep you, you defeated and off balance. How about it? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ without holding anything back? Find that joy of living a life surrendered to Christ. Someone said holding on to one little sin is like leaving just one little rattlesnake in your sleeping bag. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17 and then 20 through 21 says, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore all have died, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verses 20 and 21 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, not making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Who is the master of your life? Are you trying to hang on and make the decisions or... Have you turned your life over to Jesus Christ and prayed that prayer, Lord, not my will, but thine be done? You know, every one of us comes to a point after we have confessed our sins the first time to Jesus Christ that we will find that within, uh, John Wesley said, within a week or seven days that we're still fighting a horrendous battle because of that carnal nature, that inbred sin that we were born with, passed down from Adam and Eve. We need to come and let Jesus Christ have all of us and, and take that sin and eradicate it, pull it out by the roots. Now that doesn't mean we will never sin, but it does mean that we have given our lives completely to Jesus Christ and have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Our lives have been set apart for his holy use. And as we try to live the life that God wants us to live, he will help us as we face every situation. Now, if you should sin, it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know, it takes maintenance. 
It takes every day saying, God, this day is your day. I want to belong to you. I want you to live in me. I want you to direct my life. And if there's anything in my life contrary to your will, if you will put your finger on that, I will confess that, turn it over to you, and continue on victorious as a Christian. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the fact that you give us the opportunity to know you not just as our Savior, Lord, but as our sanctifier, that you can cleanse us and set our lives apart and give us that, that help that we need to live a holy life. We know that we cannot be righteous on our own, that any righteousness we have comes from you because you died for us on the cross, and we want to praise you. Not only did you die, but you came alive again and you're alive forevermore, telling us that if we will commit our lives to you, we can be part of that resurrection too and live for you or with you for all eternity. We praise God today in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you'd like to come to First Baptist Church tomorrow in Holbrook, Arizona, that's on the corner of First Avenue in Buffalo, I'll be preaching there at 11 o'clock. I've been in a series on Elijah. Tomorrow I'm talking about I Hear Rain. What a tremendous story Elijah had. Now, I think you would be inspired if you came. And so I'm inviting you. And then tomorrow night I am going to be studying in the book of Revelation. And we see so many prophecies being fulfilled today. It cannot be long until the Lord comes to take us to his home to be with him for all ever. And I hope that you're ready. But if you want to come and learn about these things that have been promised to us, it's at 6 o'clock, again at First Baptist Church in Holbrook, Arizona. If you want to get in touch with me, if you want me to pray with you, if you want to uh, uh, have questions answered, you can either write to me at Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029, or you can call or you can text at 623-845-2741. Or you can take a chance at sending the email. I try to catch them, but I get so many sometimes I miss. And so that is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. Well, bless God and thank you for listening. Praise God for the fact that he has wonderful things for your life. Why don't you let him fulfill his plans for you? You will never be sorry. God bless you.